It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. It's a make or miss league. They say that all the time. We don't really know what it actually means, but then we do. It's a make-or-miss league. And the Magic missed a lot on Wednesday. Let's dive into it. It's Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed locked on magic. Today is February 2nd, 2023. My name is Philip Ross Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at Orlando Magic Daily. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk about some good because there's a lot good about Wednesday's game against the Philadelphia 76ers, but there's still that one big thing that the Magic don't do very well that we all know they don't do very well and that's just going to be the thing for a while. Uh, the Magic did not shoot the ball well. Um, and at the end of the day, that's what matters in basketball games, is being able to make a shot. We'll get into why the Magic aren't shooting, didn't shoot the ball well, but why it's not quite the concern that you might think it is. We'll get to all that coming up here in just a moment. But first, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's right when we upload. We truly appreciate you making it every day. Remember, there's great Locked On podcasts covering every single team in the NBA. Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is also brought to you by PrizePix. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. That's prizepix.com, promo code 
locked on. I want to start with the good uh, from Wednesday's game, Wednesday's 105-94 loss to the Philadelphia 76ers because, um, honestly, I am more encouraged than discouraged from this loss. Yes, the Magic lost by 11 to the Sixers on the road. Not the biggest... The result isn't a big deal. I, I, I predicted the Magic would lose this game. I, I thought Philadelphia would come out a little more fired up. Um, you know, there's some things Orlando did that, you know, they don't normally do. You know, I, I'm still skeptical of this team's consistency, but um, oddly, that was actually the thing that I was most encouraged by. Um, I felt like the Magic took a lot of what they did right in Monday's game. The things that they have to do right consistently to win and brought them over into Wednesday's game. My biggest concern with this team remains carryover. Can they carry over success from one game to the next? Can they do the same thing over and over again? Can they do the boring things really well? Because that's what the good teams do. They do the boring things really well. They make they make everything feel boring. Just think, go back, think about that 9 the 10 team, and how boring games were. Because you just knew... A, you were playing to a higher standard, so maybe they weren't boring, they were frustrating because the team didn't always play to the standard you wanted them to. Um, but you have to be able to make games boring. And I'm sure for Philadelphia fans, God bless them, Wednesday's game was frustrating because they weren't scoring a lot, but it was also boring because they took care of their business. In the fourth quarter, Philadelphia hit five of their 14 three-pointers, pulled away from Orlando, got the win. Relatively comfortable win. Um, it was a close game throughout. Sixers got out to a 14-point lead early. Magic got back in the game in the second. Kept it tight all the way through to the middle of the fourth. And then Philadelphia just slowly pulled away because at a certain point, the dam's going to break when you're not hitting shots. We're going to get to that. So I, I first want to sit here and say, when we look at the larger arc of the season, when we look at the things that we want this team to accomplish and this, want this team to do over the next 30 games, the final quarter quarter plus of the season, what we want them to do is to show consistency, to be the same every night, to bring defensive effort and energy consistently. This has been a point that I've been hammering home over the last three, four games. Is the Magic have to find their energy from their defense. And that is exactly what happened in this game. There are nights where the, the Magic have had nights like this one Plenty of times this season. And a lot of those games ended up blowouts. Um, especially if the Magic never... I don't know if the Magic have had a game like quite like this where they just couldn't find their shooting. But a lot of those games were never close, were never in doubt, were never... The Magic struggled to stay in those games. This game was different. And, and honestly, I take it as a sign of growth that the Magic were able to hang in there. The Magic were able to stick it out to make things work, to get themselves into the mix. Uh, and they were able to fight hard and, and, and make this a game. There is a lot to like about what the Magic did. Whether, you know, we're going to talk about Jalen Suggs a lot in the box in the box score section. Jalen Suggs had probably his best game of the year. And, and, and it's been building to a game like this. Not just because he scored 11 points and was the... Only uh, no, he wasn't. Uh, no, he wasn't. Never mind. Uh, Markel was. Um, not just because he scored 11 points and was fairly effective offensively, at least for him. He's been building up to this because he's been playing 
elite level defense. And that energy permeated to everybody else. The Magic led with their defense and stayed in this game because of their defense. It's to the point where Wendell Carter said in the fourth quarter, they let the offense dictate their energy. And, and look, you can only go so long missing shots. You can only go so long keeping your attention to detail when the shots aren't falling, especially against really good teams like Philadelphia. Um, the fact that it took till the fourth quarter for the dam to finally break after all the misses the Magic had, that's pretty good. I'm pretty enthused by that. I am pretty positive and optimistic about that. Now, I, we'll get to the shot quality and three-point shooting here in, in a minute. I, I want to draw some points out about that. But yes, I, I think the ball stuck to one side a little bit too much. Um, I think the Magic started forcing threes. I, I think... I do think the misses got in their head. There were a few three-pointers, especially in the fourth quarter, where it felt like they were pressing for them. Um, it just felt like they were, sh- uh, like, even form watching form, like Mo Wagner didn't, didn't, like, his form looked just like a hair off. It looked like they were rushing through it because they missed so many. They knew they needed to get them. The pressure, I think, got to them to, to, to get that. And look, the Magic took 34 three. It took, how many threes did it take? Let me, let me, let me double check. I think they took 34. Um, the Magic took 38 threes. That's more than they should take. They're, they're averaging about 31, 32 per game. Um, they're not going to have many games where they shoot 6 for 38. Honestly, uh, the number, I'm, I'm recording this on, on on Wednesday night, Thursday morning. They haven't posted the numbers on NBA.com. I'm writing an article on this on OrlandoMagicDaily.com on Thursday, so check, check, out that, check out that for these numbers. I imagine a good chunk of those shots were open, uh, at least classified as open, Defender for the closest defender being four or more feet away. I would imagine you will. We will look at the tape and say that's a good look. Take that shot every time, and it just missed. And honestly, again, if you look at the points of emphasis or my points of emphasis for the Magic, the Magic won so many of them. You know, even Jamal Mosley said after the game, "You hold this team, this Philadelphia team, to 105 points." You're doing a good job. They score 118 a game. The Magic's defense played well enough to win. And to me, that's most important. Again, right now the theme is consistency. The theme for the rest of the season is can you do the same thing over and over again? And we know this team wants to be a defensive team. And honestly, the numbers show that the Magic's improvement in January when they had a a plus 500 record... The improvement was not on defense. Yeah, the Magic climbed the rankings, but their raw defensive rating number stayed pretty much the same. It was kind of the same deal that happened after the All-Star break last year when the Magic nominally had a top 10 defense, but their actual defensive rating kind of was the same number. The difference has been the offense. It's climbed, It was like at 115, 116 points for one on possessions in January. That's what really took the leap. And honestly, it's because of the shooting. So, you look at the numbers, you look at the stats. We'll, we'll dive into some box score stuff here. Orlando turns it over 15 times. Not great number. They had some sloppy turnovers, especially late in the first quarter, but only 19 points. They turned 19 Philadelphia turnovers into 24 points. So, the Magic won that battle. They get 12 offensive rebounds to Philadelphia, 7. They, they score, I think, 18 second-chance points to Philadelphia's 4. They won that battle. They, they locked down the glass. They get 29 free throw attempts, and yes, they only made 22, and it was frustrating that they only made 22. Franz Wagner missed his only free throw attempt, a technical foul in the in the first quarter. Uh, Paolo Bancaro was 3 for 6, so the, the missing shots went to everybody. 
But they out-free-throwed the Sixers, 29-26. to It's a good sign. Points in the paint, they won 46-38. to Only 40 field goal attempts in the paint. Usually the Magic are up near 50, so maybe not the same uh, aggression attacking the paint as they should have. But you look at all the indicators that usually show, that usually tell you the Magic are going to win, the Magic checked them all off. The Magic hit every single one of those marks. And so... Am I concerned about this loss? No. I'm actually quite optimistic and positive about it. Because if the magic, the, the, the important thing is the carryover now. Um, you know, I, I said this to myself as I was thinking about the game in postgame. This is a process loss. Um, it's the old saying, process over results. If the magic play the way that they play Wednesday night, they're going to win more often than not. They're going to win eight, nine out of ten times. And this just happened to be the one or two times that they don't. And so what's really important now, again, the theme is carryover, the theme is consistency, is are the Magic going to recognize that they were good enough to win Wednesday night and recommit to doing the same thing Friday night in Minneapolis against the Timberwolves? Are they going to recommit to that? And, And that's the question for a young team. The Sixers had a bad game Monday. Got back on the horse, did the same thing Wednesday. It was no big deal to them. There were people panicking about the Sixers, and I was just like, no, 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 no. They, they, got, they got hit with a pretty bad haymaker. It was a bad loss. They'll recover. They're a veteran team. They know what to do. The Magic are not that team. They don't have that trust. And so, obviously, the most important game is the next game. And the Magic have to put the shooting behind them and play this level of defense once again. I don't want to put the shooting too far behind them, though, because the Magic are actually not a bad shooting team. I'm going to explain why the Magic aren't as bad as you think from beyond the arc. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, a quick word from our friends at FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're they're the number one sportsbook in America. It's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. 
J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So, you know, the... the general understanding, the general thought about the Orlando Magic is they are a poor shooting team. And I'm not going to be here to dispute that. Um, I'm not going to dispute that, that the Magic's biggest need, that the biggest thing that the Magic have to find, whether it's in trade, whether it's draft, whether it's free agency, the thing they have to add to this roster is shooting. And again, I, I say this all the time, and, and this is what I'm, what I'm about to say and what I'm about to kind of show you statistic uh, with the stats is going to kind of prove some of this. It's honestly not about your actual ability to shoot. It's your reputation as a shooter. It's how much the defense respects you as a shooter. Markel Fultz is shooting a, a hair under, it's shooting in the mid 40s and three point field goal percentage. Obviously, that's on like a super low volume, and teams are very happy to let him shoot. Markel Fultz shooting a three is a win for the defense. No one's going to debate that. The Magic just aren't a team with respected shooters. Honestly, to the point where they're willing to let Gary Harris go off. Gary Harris hit three of the Magic's six three-pointers in the first quarter. He's working on a 50-40-90 season. Very, very quietly, guys. Gary Harris is is, is getting close to a 50-40-90. We'll, have to, we'll be on 50-40-90 watch. I'm actually not even sure any Magic player has ever had a 50-40-90 season. Um, we'll have to take a look at that. 50-40-90 seasons are, are for elite shooters uh, and Somewhat scores, although certainly Gary Harris isn't on the volume that I think uh, some of the other members of that club would be in. We'll keep an eye on that. We're, we're almost three quarters of the way through the season, so we will keep an eye on that. Harris is actually just shy of 90% free throw percentage. He's at like 88, 87% free throw shooting. So he's got got some work to do. He's got he's not actually he's not like getting to the line a ton. So that's that's going to be a tough that's going to be the toughest one for him to get. But it, it, Gary Harris having an incredible season, but. Honestly, I don't think even he has significant gravity because, as a whole, defenses don't respect the Magic shooting. Now, you'll be saying, like, okay, why don't the Magic, you know, play Terrence Ross or play Mo Bamba? It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. That would actually help a little bit. Um, although, I don't think Terrence Ross helps as much as people think because he's not an efficient shooter. Uh, teams are worried about him because of his cutting, but... Honestly, I don't think they're even that worried about him anymore. I think he's lost a lot of his effectiveness and reputation around the league as, as a shooter, especially within this group. For sure, we'll get into some trade deadline talk tomorrow. We'll have a, a special episode of Locked On Magic tomorrow. Um, but, but it's a big chunk of what we talk about and what we're talking about at the deadline is shooting. You know, whoever that is, whoever the Magic are targeting, Magic fans love Gary Trent Jr., you know, there's. I've seen some Magic fans put out deals for Luke Kennard. Uh, Dan Favale of Bleacher Report put out a deal involving Joe Harris. Shooting is the big need for the Orlando Magic. I, I'm not here to hide from that. Um, that's that's a huge preface for what I'm about to say. That's gonna kind of contradict some of this. So for the season, Orlando is shooting 34.9 percent from beyond the arc. That's 22nd in the league. Obviously, not a great number. No one's pretending the Magic are a great shooting team overall. In fact. 
it's kind of revealed in their shooting numbers. They take 31.2 three-point field goal attempts per game. That's 25th in the league. Um, you know, there are some good shooting teams behind them. Denver, Atlanta, you would think is a good shoot, three-point shooting team. New Orleans is, you know, only shooting 35.6%, but they're usually viewed as a good shooting team. Chicago actually takes the fewest threes in the league at 29 per game. Um, so, you know, you're look, you're still, you could be a successful offense without three-point shooting. That's that's the thing. And, and again, it's, it's about what your team needs. So the Magic took 38 threes on Wednesday night. That's probably too many. Even if they're open, that's probably too many. That's that's a shot that these defenses want the Magic to take. Um, and so, you know, I, I I think the right numbers, like 32, 33, 34, I think mid, uh, low to mid-30s is probably the right number for Magic attempt-wise. Um, it just means that they're, they're getting a good balance of getting the line, getting in the paint, and then kicking out for three-pointers rather than just kind of taking standstill threes or one-pass threes or pull-up threes. There were a lot of that on, on Wednesday I wouldn't say the Magic shot selection was perfect, but I think they still took a lot of, of good shots and a lot of shots that they should be confident in because guess what? In that time period that we like to parcel out uh, after the losing streak ended since December 7th, the Magic have actually been a pretty good three-point shooting team and actually been a pretty good offense overall. In fact, in January, Magic went 7-7 in January, 14 games. In January... The Magic shot 38.1% from beyond the arc on 31.7 attempts. So again, still a fairly low volume, but they're, they were really effective in that volume because 38.1% was 10th in the league in January. Just think about that. For the last 14 games, like that's, that's not, you know, I'm not writing home about it. You know, obviously defenses aren't adjusting to it. I'm not writing home and saying, Oh, the Magic's three-point shooting problems are solved uh, because they shot like that. But I'm sitting here saying, like, there's a pretty significant sample size of the Magic shooting pretty well from beyond the arc. Since December 7th, that, that mythical day that we like, the Magic, 15 and 12 on the year, are shooting 36% from beyond the arc. That's still just 20th in the league. So... Their three-point percentage has been bumping up over the last two months. In January, they were on fire. They were confident they were on fire. And again, you look at some of the advanced numbers in January specifically, um, the Magic took a pretty significant step up. Um, you know, again, that's, that, this, that's, that's the important thing. For the season, Orlando's offense doesn't look great. We're not hiding from that. For the season... Orlando's 25th in the league in offensive rating, 111.3 points per 100 sessions. So remember that number, 111.3. Magic ranked 25th. 25th, 111.3. In January, again, went 7-7 seven and seven in January. You know, pretty solid. Orlando's offense bumped up to 115.4 points per 100 sessions. That was 16th in the league. So again, just making a few threes, a few more threes... Bump the Magic up to a league average or league median offense. That's the power of the three-pointer and why I think, yes, the Magic do need to get more shooting, but also why I would say, you know, the Magic maybe aren't so bad of a shooting team. Or they're not as bad as maybe we think or or that their reputation would suggest. Now, look, Jalen Suggs, not a great three-point shooter. He made two threes on Wednesday night. He can get there, but he's not there yet. Markel Fultz, not a great three-point shooter. Teams are happy to let him shoot threes, even if he's making them at a decent clip. 
Um, you know, Wendell Carter is a good three-point shooter for a center, but his shot comes and goes. And you can tell when he's confident. You can tell when he's not confident with it. He'll sometimes overshoot when he shouldn't be sh- shooting it. He'll sometimes not shoot when he should when he should be shooting it. Um, Wendell Carter hasn't quite learned how to shoot threes. Uh, Franz Wagner is a very effective three-point shooter, but he's very young and goes through waves still as far as his effectiveness from beyond the arc. Paolo Bancaro is still a developing three-point shooter. He's gotten better as the season's gone on. He's gotten more confident with it, but he's not exactly hitting a ton of threes. The Magic have really one knockdown three-point shooter, and that's and that's Gary Harris. Everyone else, teams are happy to ignore. And But uh, maybe the Magic got some three-point luck in January and put themselves in a really good spot where they were hitting a ton of threes. Um, something that will last. Maybe that isn't. That's something that this team has to find out. Um, everyone's going to have nights like Wednesday night. Um, you know, maybe not as bad. Maybe the Magic's floor on three-point shooting is lower than everyone else because they're not a great shooting team or they don't have a lot of natural shooters or naturally good shooters. Um, but I would argue, I would say that, you know, yeah, the Magic might have a night like Wednesday night once every 10 games, 15 games or so. But overall, I think this team has made tremendous strides shooting. And I don't think we should let Wednesday's game detract from A, the good things that the Magic did that kept them in the game, gave them a chance to win. Yes, they lost the game because they couldn't shoot the ball. Honestly, you can live with that. As long as the team is taking and, and getting good looks, you can live with that. It's a make or miss league. But I don't think I necessarily buy that the Magic are as bad at shooting as everyone thinks. You know, yeah, add shooting. I'm not against it. I want this team to add shooting, and I think that's really, really important. Um, but I think this team also has lots of shooting on the roster that people aren't recognizing as much. Maybe this is the wrong game to say that after, um, but maybe this game was the aberration and what we saw in January is what's a little bit more normal. We're going to dive in the box score coming up here in just a moment to wrap up this game. But first, a quick word from our pals at Prize picks. Look, daily fantasy games are really, really hard. Um, I used to play some of those traditional daily fantasy games, and you know, I, I I'm pretty knowledgeable. You know, I know what's going on, but I always found their scoring system to be a little confusing. Didn't really quite know what the scoring system was, and of course, the salary system was always the big thing to figure. out. So complicated. And I would just watch my bank account dwindle. I would watch that number go down slowly. Even after I won and got had a couple wins, I was never really winning a lot of money because I was going up against the Sharks. I was going up against these large prize pools and getting my clock cleaned. Well, guess what? Prize Picks is the daily fantasy game for you if you're tired of that feeling. If prize picks, it's you versus the numbers. You look at the projections, you look at the projections available, the numbers available, and you pick whether it's going to be more or less. It can't be any easier. And the best part is you can get 25 times your money in a six-player in a six-player entry, or you can, you know, do what I did over the weekend, do a three-player entry, you get all three right, you get I think five times your money. You get two two of the three right, you get one and a half times. You always feel like a winner if you know what you're doing. You will win. Trust me. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, including NBA, NFL. NHL, PGA, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, the WNBA, and a whole lot more. 
Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's really that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals. It's currently operational in more than 30 states and Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports today. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDOFF. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code LOCKEDON at sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's dive into the box score real fast as your lender magic fall to the Philadelphia 76ers, 105-94. to Like I said, um, shooting was the thing. Like, like sometimes I even I struggle to figure out why the magic lost or to pinpoint, like, the one thing to draw out of every game. Um, this game was about shooting. Magic shoot 37.9% from the floor. They have just 12 assists on 33 makes. You know, honestly, a good bunch of that is they just missed a lot of the the shots that they took that were passes. Um, do I have the potential assist numbers available to me? I don't. I'm recording this overnight. Uh, I don't know if they've put potential assists up yet. I will look that up later. I'll I'll put that I'll put that in my article. I'm not going to waste your time for me looking it up. But I would imagine the Magic had more than 12 potential assists. Um, I imagine a lot of assists were just missed shots. And you again. You can live with that. That's not the end of the world. Orlando shoots to 6 for 38 from beyond the arc. Look, and again, I would imagine of those 38 threes, I would imagine 25 of them at least were open for open shots. Um, that the Magic were probably like 4 for 25 on open shots. If that's the case, you can live with it. You'll survive. You're not going to go crazy over. You're not going to you're not going to go crazy angry over missing open shots. It happens. Not the end of the world. Not the biggest deal in the world. Um, again, it's a big deal because you lose the game. But, you know, if that's why you lose the game. That's why you lose the game. Um, but overall, the Magic's defense was fantastic. Um, outside of a 37-point first quarter, you know, just kind of a slow start, some turnovers late, uh, just struggling to deal with Joel Embiid. Once the Magic adjusted and locked in, they played a fantastic defensive game. Just 49 points in the second half. Um, again, only 19 points in the second quarter. They did a really good job defending one of the best offensive teams in the league. They deserve a lot of credit. So we're going to start on the defensive end and give our kudos to Jalen Suggs. 11 points, 4 for 9 shooting, 2 for 4 from deep, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, career high, 5 steals for Jalen Suggs. Um, I honestly, over the last week, week and a half, this kind of game has been building. He's been doing, he's been a Jonathan Isaac-like disruptor. Jonathan Isaac did not play in this game. Uh, coaches uh, because of uh, just, just feeling sore. Um, Jalen Suggs was just disruptive. Um, he was getting into his man without fouling. He, his lower body is so good. His hand positioning is fantastic. I love the hand positioning for this team, guarding Harden and, and Bede 
they were really conscious of trying to make sure that they were showing their hands, putting even putting their hands behind their back to make sure that they weren't swiping down and, and getting cheap fouls. Um, Suggs was just a master at it and, and just knowing when to poke his hands in and, and get a deflection. He had six, he had five, defle- he had six deflections in this game, I believe, like, or seven deflections in this game, like some insane number. Um, this was a heavy activity game for the Magic. Suggs did such a good job setting the tone for this team and, and putting them in such a good spot to, 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 to attack defensively, to get out in transition. Suggs has been an agent of chaos here for a little bit. His offense is kind of scaled back. I, I I don't dislike it. He's not doing wild drives into the paint. He's not uh over he's not over attacking. He's not taking he's not committing charges as much anymore. He's still taking some bad jumpers here and there, but I, I love the control that Jalen Suggs is playing with. He's really embracing this role of I'm just gonna go out there and defend and cause a little chaos. And if the offense comes to me, great. If not, I'm not gonna be the one to push to force it and push it. Um, I, I, Jalen Suggs is playing his best basketball of his career right now, and he's got a ton of trust. He played 26-15 in this game. He got he got his time on the floor to make chaos, and he made chaos. I, I love the game that Jalen Suggs played. Markel Fultz, um, 18 points to lead the Magic, 7 for 11 shooting, 4 for 4 from the foul line, just 2 assists, 3 turnovers, but again, some lazy passes here and there. Kel does that a little bit, or, or over-ambitious passes here and there. Um, and some lazy passes here and there. Um, I imagine he would have more than two assists if the Magic could have made some shots. Um, there's a few secondary assists he certainly would have had, but Markel Fultz was the constant in this game, able to get into the paint. When the Magic needed a basket, needed someone to give them some energy offensively, they could give the ball to Markel Fultz, he could get downhill, and at least create open opportunities for his teammates. He was he was ready to move the ball, he was ready to kind of work that inside-out game in a way that some of the other Magic players weren't. Um you know, again, at 7 for 11, he was the only player on the Magic to shoot better than 50% in the game. Um, and that's 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 crazy to me. Um, you know, usually you just have, you have a couple guys that are able to get like a 4 for 8 game or 4 for 7 game. Um, Markel Fultz was in attack mode, played really, really well. Uh, you know, again, just, you know, as, as Scott Skiles said, you know, teammates have to make the shots when, when you're, when you're doing, dealing with assists. The two guys that I think we do need to point out um, and, and ask just a little bit more from... Uh, let's start with Paolo Bencaro. 5 for 18, 0 for 6 shooting, 3 for 6 from the line, 13 points. Did have 9 rebounds. Um, so the thing that I really like about Paolo's game is Paolo found ways to contribute even though his scoring wasn't there. Um, he His presence on the glass was a big thing, was a big deal. Um, he was chasing rebounds. He was playing physical to get to get to the glass, get to the boards. That's such a good sign, and, and, and that's been an inconsistent thing with him, where he will not be, uh, he will not consistently attack the glass. He will not consistently get rebounds. Getting nine rebounds in this game was a huge deal. Was a huge thing. Was a sign of his activity. Um, I thought he settled a little bit on the perimeter early in the game. He got to the basket, got to the foul line, missed a couple of free throws. I, I, I think that kind of slowed him down a little bit. Um, I think Joel Embiid's presence slowed him down a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, Minnesota didn't have Rudy Gobert tonight. They won't have Carl Anthony Towns on Friday. Um, so again, I think the paint will be a little bit more open on Friday. But, you know, Paolo's, Paolo felt very comfortable. He had a couple of early mid-range jumper, jumpers. That's sometimes a death, death knell. Um, you don't want to hit those mid-range jumpers too early because then you start settling and falling in love with them. Um, but, you know, again, Paolo's kind of learning what a good shot is, what a bad shot is, and, and how to pace this team. Just The problem is 
the Magic can't have both Paolo and Franz play poorly. 13 points for Paolo, 13 points for Franz, and just Franz had a really rough game. 13 points, 6 for 15, shooting 1 for 7 from beyond the arc, 6 turnovers in the game. A lot of it was him just trying to force his way into the paint, having the ball knocked away from him. Um, just really tough stuff for him, and, and, and just his driving rhythm was off, whether it's because the team just wasn't moving the ball effectively, so he had to create a little bit more. Um, he was just off kilter, and you know, again, you expect Franz Wagner, if he's taking seven threes, that he's going to make three of them. Um, you know, you don't expect one for seven three-point shooting nights from Franz Wagner. Uh, and that's what the Magic got. And that, again, your star players have to show up. You look at the, the Sixers. Sixers didn't play a great offensive game, but 28 points for Joel Embiid, 9 for 17 shooting, 10 for 10 from the line from him, 11 rebounds. James Harden, 26 points, 9 rebounds, 10 assists, 7 for 13 shooting, made 6 of 10 three-pointers. Um, that's... That's their star. The Sixers stars showed up, and Harden was the one that closed the game out. Um, and Bede only had eight points in the second half. Harden was the one that that you know they. they I I know I said this when Harden went out in the, in the second half. The Magic had the Magic were down I think four or five at the time. I was like the Magic have to win these minutes. They have to win with Embiid out. They brought Harden in to start the fourth quarter, and the Sixers extended their lead, and and that was the game. That was it. Your stars, your best players, have to show up, and you know again. Paolo and Franz are young. They're getting attention for the first time. They're seeing different schemes for the first time. The Magic need them to show up in a bigger way and more consistent way. And, and that's that's just the truth of it. Uh, again, Orlando shoots just 37.9%. Philadelphia only shoots 43.6%. They're 14 for 35 from beyond the arc. That is the difference of the game, 14 threes to six. Philadelphia hit five three-pointers in the fourth quarter. Orlando was able to survive before then, but once Philadelphia started hitting those threes more consistently, they got some transition threes. That's when the lead got too far, and that's when the lead extended. The Philadelphia 76ers defeat the Orlando Magic 105-94. to Orlando back in action Friday against the Minnesota Timberwolves. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Lockdown Magic. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Sit your tune in Himway, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the fun places on the podcast to your podcast-enabled listening device. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. Now that you're done listening to us, go check out the Game to Game podcast. All the recaps from the local experts around the Lockdown Network, all in one place. Get the lowdown on every game in the NBA on the Game to Game podcast on the Lockdown NBA feed. Subscribe to that wherever you download podcasts, as well as on YouTube. We're going to have a special podcast coming up tomorrow, a like full-length podcast, so make mark your calendars, make some room. Uh, we'll be talking about the NBA trade deadline with Keith Smith of SpotRack. Spot, Spot uh, on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic, so stay tuned for that. I'll try. I will definitely have that up for you in the morning. I'll try and get it up for you late late Thursday night. But we'll we'll def, we'll definitely have that. It's I've got some editing to do to make it look pretty. Um, but we'll we'll talk heavy trade deadline stuff. Talk about this roster in full on tomorrow's episode of Locked On. Until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this is Phil Another episode. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.